0: Good morning, good to see everyone, and for those of you who don't know this clown standing up here, my name is Shane, I'm the RUF campus minister here in the campus minister for Grace Stillwater, and it's my privilege to bring God's word to you this morning. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Proverbs chapter 16. Uh, we'll spend most of our time there, although I'm going to use several different passages from the book of Proverbs this morning. We're going to continue our study in the book of Proverbs, where we are trying to regain the lost art of wisdom. Uh, Wisdom is the art of living life skillfully. Uh, It means choosing the right means to the right end. And uh, we're not doing uh, a study on wisdom just so we can feel good about ourselves, just so we can merely make good decisions. But we're trying to learn wisdom because wisdom aligns us with our creator and the creation in such a way as to bring peace and flourishing into our lives and into this world wisdom brings joy and happiness in a way that merely just making good decisions does it. It really unites us, the fabric of this world. It's incredibly important that we learn wisdom, and this morning we're going to try to rediscover the lost art of wise planning. So let's pray together, and hopefully by his word and spirit, God will help us to plan more wisely. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us your word that guides us into all truth. It points us to you, the sustainer, creator, and redeemer of this world. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning as people who want and need to plan wisely. We need your guidance. We need your help. We need your word and your spirit to help us make decisions that align us with you and your creation. Help us to make decisions that bring peace and joy and harmony and flourishing to this world and to our lives. And we pray that through wise planning, we would glorify you and enjoy you in ways that we never imagined. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have lived with me or worked with me or if you're one of my friends, you know that I love to set goals and I love to plan. And sometimes I love to set goals and plan more than I actually love the carrying out of the plan itself. I just love to try to sit down and craft out a vision for the way that I think things should be and then uh, put together steps or plans to sort of create that vision. Um, I like to carefully map out my days, my weeks, even my years to try to maximize Uh, what I think God is doing in this world. Um, I love to plan so much that I even have a subscription to a planner. And they send me a new planner every quarter so I can meticulously fill it out. And I know that I'm not the only one here in the room that has that same subscription. There's at least two others of you out here. So yes, I may or may not have a problem with planning. So like everyone else, I started 2020 with sitting down and writing out my goals and planning out my my semester, putting all of our major events, uh, you know, our trips, our anniversaries, our vacations, all that stuff on a big calendar, and everything was going pretty well until Wednesday, March 10th, when Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus, and the Thunder game was canceled, and the next day, on that Thursday... Um, I sat down that morning, and we were supposed to go leave on a spring break mission trip the next day. So I sat down and made a bunch of phone calls to figure out, like, okay, can we actually go on our mission trip? And things were kind of up in the air. And that morning, by 10 a.m., I was in the library, and I was meeting with our leaders that help with freshman Bible study, and we're sitting down trying to plan out, okay, how are we going to do freshman Bible study? How are we going to, you know, w- what's going to happen with the coronavirus? All that stuff. And there, in the middle of that conversation, I got the call saying that your mission trip has been canceled. And not only that, but all of your other Bible studies have been canceled for the foreseeable future. And then in the weeks after that, Bible studies, events, everything was canceled. All my meticulous crafting of plans and goals were all sort of destroyed. Uh, By the end of April, uh, we were having no in-person Bible studies. Um, My calendar was blank. My calendar was a mess. I might as well have just thrown it out because it was done. And it was at that time that I remember that old uh, famous saying from Robert Burns' poem, the best laid plans of mice and men do often go askew. Uh, Robert Burns wrote that poem after he plowed through a mouse's home and destroyed it, sending the mouse scurrying all about. Over the last five months, most, if not all, of our plans have gone askew, haven't they? Uh, like Robert Burns plowing through the mouse nest, the coronavirus has plowed through our lives and is altered, ruined, or changed pretty much everything we had set out to do this year. Um, graduations, weddings, and trips have been postponed or canceled. Restaurants, coffee shops, and gyms have closed, some never to reopen again. Bible studies, worship services, and service projects have ceased or restarted in restricted ways like social distancing and wearing masks and all that stuff. Uh, like that poor mouse, we've been scurrying around for the last few months trying to figure out what the new normal is, and I really don't like that term, but that's what people are saying. So, And next week, uh, I have to sit down. It's the time I've blocked out to sit down and start planning and scheduling the rest of the year. Start getting ready for the fall semester, and I, I'm sort of looking at things going... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what next semester is going to look like. I don't know what goals I should keep. I don't know how to plan. And I'm guessing that that much of you probably feel the same sort of uncertainty and anxiety about the future that I feel. Uh, We need to make wise plans. It's in our DNA to plan, to set goals, uh, and to carry out those plans. How do we do it? Right? Right? How do we plan, how do we make wise decisions in our current context? Uh, Well, this morning, I pray that as we look at Proverbs 16, we can regain the art of wise planning. And as we do that, what I hope we will see is that somehow, God uses our simple, imperfect, uncertain, sometimes even sinful plans to accomplish his purpose. God uses our plans to accomplish his purpose. And I pray that as we see that, that will give us the patience and the power and the peace to plan wisely. So we're going to look at three things this morning. The principle for wise planning, the process of wise planning, and the fruit of wise planning. The first thing I want you to see is the principle of wise planning. And we're going to start with Proverbs 16, 1. It says, The heart The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So the heart here is the internal processing of a person. God has given us a heart, a mind, a soul, a will to develop plans. And part of that is it's because we're made in God's image. And God is a God of plans, right? He has a plan. And because we're made in his image, we want to carry out plans, So we formulate plans to get from point A to point B. However, this proverb says that the answer of those plans comes from who? It comes from the Lord. So there are plans, but ultimately God says yes or no in the end. Proverbs 16.9 says something similar. It says, the heart of man plans his way. So again, we see that we plan the way. We, We can carve out a plan to go from point A to point B. But it's every decision is from the Lord. that God is at work along the way, determining the success or failure of those plans, that He is at work in our plans as we're working them out. Our plans, each step that we take in life, take us down a path that God has already established. And finally, look at Proverbs 16:33. If the other two weren't clear enough, this one says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Casting lots was the ancient equivalent of rolling the dice. The Bible is saying that every decision is not up to chance, it's not random, it's not up to luck or fate, it's up to God. That He is at work in every decision, even the roll of the dice. That His sovereign will Will come to fruition. So, what these proverbs establish is a principle that must undergird all of our planning. And that principle is that our plans accomplish God's purpose. Our plans accomplish God's purpose. Uh, Some older theologians put it this way they said, Man proposes, but God disposes. Man proposes, but God disposes. So now what we tend to think is, well, either the plan is 100% my plan. So, uh, so in philosophy, they would call this a, a libertarian free will. That I do whatever I want to do, and I'm not interacted on by anything outside of me to make that decision. It's, the plan is 100% mine. The opposite of that would be determinism or fatalism that says that the plan is 100% God's. Or whatever being is in control of the universe. But the Bible says something that is much more mind-blowing and powerful. And that's that that the plan is 100% ours and 100% God's. That we plan, but God purposes. We see this principle not just here. We see it all throughout the Bible. We see it in numerous stories. But I think we see it most clearly in the lives of Joseph and Jesus. Joseph was had uh, many brothers, and and those brothers were jealous of him um, for his father's favoritism. And so those brothers beat him and sold him into slavery. Uh, He was taken to Egypt where he was falsely accused, wrongly imprisoned, and forgotten. Uh, But after his his miraculous rescue and his reunion with his brothers, what did Joseph say about this plan that had taken place in his life? He says, what you meant for evil... God meant for good. Joseph knew that their sinful plans carried out God's good purpose. And we see the same thing in Jesus' life. Jesus came. He lived. He lived a sinless life. He healed. He taught. He was the greatest man that ever lived. And yet he was betrayed, falsely accused, wrongly convicted, beaten, crucified, and killed. And after his death and resurrection, what did Peter say? This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan of God. Definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So Jesus was delivered because of God's plan and God's purpose. He says, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So it was God's plan, but it was carried out by men. God used, in these two cases, their sinful plans to accomplish his good purpose. Now, uh, I realize that that theology creates all sorts of questions. Let me give you a few caveats. One, God is not the author of sin. Sin is rebellion against God, is rejection of God. But God, his sovereignty, can use sinful plans to accomplish his good purpose. He's not the author of sin. He does not destroy the will of the creatures. We retain our ability to make choices and to exercise our will. But God uses secondary means. So he's not the author of sin. He doesn't destroy our will. And he uses secondary means. So God has ordained not only the end, but he has ordained the means along the way to accomplish his purpose. I realize that's a lot. If you want to talk about it, I'd love to get coffee sometime and talk about it. Uh, I'd I'd be even happier to recommend Ryan to you and let you get coffee with Ryan and let him talk to you about it. But that's the basic principle that undergirds all of our planning, right? And as we begin to plan for the fall and the future with coronavirus and all that stuff, we need to keep that into the forefront of our minds. Okay, we're going to be thinking about how do we school our kids? How do we minister to students? How do we come to worship? How do we go to work? Where are we going to work? What are we going to wear? All these things. And these are all big decisions, and we're going to talk about how to make those decisions. But first and foremost, we need to have in our mind that God has a plan. And no matter what, he's going to carry out his good plan through us. So that's the first thing we see is the principle for wise planning. We have um, God carries out his plan His purpose through our plans. But we still have a responsibility to make wise decisions. So how do we do that? Okay, I'm going to go through the process of wise planning. I have several points in scriptures to go along with them. If you're trying to follow at home, if you're a young listener, you might try to pick out a couple of these to remember, okay? Or you might just try to jot down the outline. It's the process of wise planning. And and, uh, Dan is going to try to have the, the passages up on the slide. Okay, first we need to pray. Proverbs 15:8 says, "The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord." So just merely bringing a sacrifice without thought of a heart and the mind is not good. But the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. God loves the prayers of his people. He doesn't just want us to act mindlessly. He wants us to pray and talk to him when we come into worship. This proverb is encouraging us to align our head and our heart with our hands and our feet. We need to pray and talk to our Heavenly Father before, during, and after the whole process of of making decisions. Um, Recently, I made a decision for our family. I did something, and Sherry was shocked by it. I didn't exactly run it by her before I did this thing. And she looked at me when she found out, and she said, did you pray about that before you did it? And I said, well, I thought about it. Does that count? And she said, no, that doesn't count. She's a good pastor's wife. She holds me accountable. It sounds so simple, but we need to pray and talk to our Heavenly Father as we go through this process of making all these decisions, to try to align our head and our heart with our feet and our hands. First thing we need to do is pray. The second thing we need to do is repent. Proverbs 16, 17 through 19. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. As we pray, we need to repent often especially of our pride and our arrogance, right? Part of our our planning is good and right. Uh, Like I said earlier, God created us in in his image so that we set goals, uh, we make plans to try to achieve those goals. But oftentimes is our plans and our goals come from an over-desire for power and knowledge, right? Uh, Theologians say we want the omni-characteristics of God, God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. God is all-powerful. That means he's almighty. And what we tend to do is to think that our plans are also all-knowing and almighty. And the reality is that they're not. That we are fallen creatures. And our, even our best motivations can be tainted by the sin of wanting to be like God. So the first thing, we need, we need, to, we need to pray. We need to pray for humility. We need to daily acknowledge our dependence on God's wisdom and God's power. I once heard a, a story about a seminary professor who would end every class by saying, now I'll see you next time if the Lord wills it. I don't think we need to say if the Lord wills it after every one of our plans, but I do think we need to have that posture as we plan. We need to hold our plans humbly and open-handed, knowing that they're only accomplished if the Lord wills it. So we need to pray. We need to repent. Next, we need to read Scripture. Proverbs 16, 20, and 25. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of destruction. Is is there a more ominous verse in the Bible than that? There's a way that seems right to a man, and its end is destruction. (laughs) So we have two paths we can go on. We can just follow the way that seems right to us, Or we can follow God's word and discover the goodness and the blessing of trusting in. So as we go through the decision-making process, we need to read applicable Bible passages, read them, study them, try to apply them to whatever situation is going on. Um, God's will, God's revealed will is expressly set down in his Bible. Everything that we need to know is right here. Okay, this is a revealed will. His mysterious will... We don't know. That's why it's mysterious. He's the Lord of the universe. He's working out his plan. We're called to trust his revealed will. But we can't trust it and follow it if we don't know it. So we need to read it and study it and apply it. Following our own way leads to sin, misery, pain, suffering, confusion. But following God's way leads to life. Now, when it comes to navigating the coronavirus and all this stuff, Right? Um, It's really challenging. Because on the one hand, God calls us to love our neighbors. We're called not to murder. But we're also called to worship. We're called to serve. We're called to do ministry. So we have to hold both those two things in tension. We need to continue to love our neighbor and to seek uh, the peace and prosperity and welfare of the city and our community. But we also need to worship Jesus. And serve in a way that glorifies God. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to hold both those things. We're not gonna just going to do one or the other. We're going to do both of them. So at RUF, students, whenever you come back, guess what we're going to do? We're going to worship Jesus and serve Him, and we're going to try to have as much fun as we can doing it. And Grace Stillwater is going to do the same thing. Yes, we're going to take appropriate social distancing measures, which we are. We're going to wear masks. We're gonna do all those things, but we're still gonna worship and serve Jesus, because Him in Him is life and life eternal, and we need that. So we need to pray, we need to repent, we need to read Scripture. Next, we need to seek wise counsel. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. So we're getting out of sixteen, but we're going to ch- uh, chapter fifteen twenty two. It says, "Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed." And then Proverbs twenty eighteen says. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. When we're planning and making decisions, we need to consult our friends and family members and experts to get all the information we need so we can make the wisest decision possible. This is one of the reasons why the church needs to be multi generational and multicultural, because a multi generational, a multicultural church brings together all of God's wisdom and all of God's power together so that we can, ju- we can make wiser decisions. We can't make wise decisions on our own. Most of the poorest decisions I've ever made in my life, I have made on my own. We need to gather our friends, family, and experts to help us make wise decisions. Now, I realize with coronavirus, it has been challenging. Uh, I've talked to several friends who are doctors, And and this virus has kept them on their toes. But I think we're coming to a point where most of the experts are basically saying the same thing, that we need to do the same thing. They're saying we need to wear masks. We need to social distance. If you are vulnerable or you're elderly, you need to take precautions. Wash your hands. um, And if you are exposed, get tested and quarantined. That's basically what, what we can do. We need to trust those experts. Okay? Ryan and I, as pastors, you're in a kind of a weird spot because you're a generalist, but you're expected to like know a a little information about a bunch of things. We're not epidemiologists. I'm not. Your mom is. (laughs) Ryan's mom's an epidemiologist, but we're not. Right? We're not the experts on how to handle the coronavirus. We're just not. Let's trust people who are medical professionals and doctors that have been in this field for 30, 40 years and had devoted their lives to studying viruses. Let's trust them and have the humility to say, okay, this is what they're saying that we can do to manage this virus. We're going to do it. Seek wise counsel. And then lastly, so we've prayed, we've repented, we've read scripture, we've sought wise counsel. Then at that point, we make a faithful and wise decision. We make the best decision we can make with the information we have. God uses this whole process to reveal and develop wisdom so that we can make a decision that promotes peace and flourishing in our community. Um, This isn't a magic formula. These are steps that are are worked and reworked and evaluated over time, but they come with a promise, and that promise is in Proverbs 16.3. It says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Whenever we commit our works to the Lord, we know that they stand on a firm foundation of God's plan and God's purpose. We're not supposed to figure, we don't have to figure out the plan. Isn't that crazy? We don't always know the plan, but we've got to trust our Heavenly Father that He has a plan, and He has told us what is good and right, and we need to follow that to the best of our abilities. Um, Sherry and I have gone through this process A lot in our lives, as many of you have. You know, the older you get, the more you go through this process. Uh, And we have seen God uh, be faithful through it every time. Uh, One of the most challenging times that we had as we had to go through uh, this decision-making process was about the time when I decided to go into the ministry. So this was like 2008, 2009, uh, somewhere around there. Um, I had been talking with the elders of the church about going into the ministry. And so Sherry and I took about a year of walking through this process of praying, reading scripture, talking to each other, talking to our elders, our friends, our family, all those people. And sort of at the end of that year, we came to the decision, okay, we, we feel like God is calling me to do this, so the next logical step is to go to seminary and get that training so that I can begin in the ministry. Well, um, uh, we went to our pastor and we said, okay, we're ready. We want to go to seminary. And he said, not yet. He said, I don't think you're ready. Um, I don't think you and Sherry are ready to go to seminary. We think you should wait. And so Sherry and I were frustrated about that, and we were sad about that. But we said, okay, you know what? Uh, You know, we need to trust them, and let's just wait. Well, that next year, during that next year, when we would have been at seminary, and I would have been studying, and we would have been living on limited income, limited insurance, uh, we found out that Sherry lives with a chronic disease. And at that time, to handle her chronic disease and to adjust to the the pain and the sadness and the confusion and frustration of that, what we needed was a church family and friends and good health insurance. And we had all three of those things at that time. We didn't realize it, but God had a good plan. He was at work, and he had us right where he wanted us in that time. God has a good plan for all of us. He's at work. He knows what he's doing. We can trust him. He's been faithful with the past. He's going to be faithful in the present and in the future. So as we go through this process, we realize that wise suffering is not going to, elim- I'm sorry, wise decisions, wise planning, it's not going to eliminate suffering in our lives. But What it does is it brings in peace and power and patience. And I just want to finish off by just saying a few words about those things, that, that wise planning brings patience, right? We, very few decisions in life do we have to make right now. Yes, there are spur-of-the-moment decisions that happen. If somebody was having a heart attack in the service right now, we'd have to make a spur-of-the-moment decision about what to do. Right? But most of the time, we have time in our decision-making process. Take your time. Evaluate. Don't make a hasty decision. Even with coronavirus, uh, yes, we need to make decisions, but we've got time. Don't get caught up in the 24-hour news cycle and social media's you know, sort of fear and anxiety. Let's all take a deep breath, rest in Jesus, and when it comes time to make the decision, we'll make the decision, and we'll trust God with the results. So wise planning yields patience. Wise planning also yields power, right? At some point, we're going to need to make decisions, And and what we don't want to do is get paralysis by analysis, right? We can can be so consumed with analyzing all the different variables and all the different options and everything that could happen that we never make a decision. At some point, we have to go, we've got to make a good decision with the information that we've been given. And, And I think the gospel and this principle really empowers us to make that decision, right? And the last thing that this principle does and this wise planning does is it gives us peace. If we know that God is good and he loves us and he's got a plan, then that gives us peace as we make our decisions. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot is a well-known uh, Christian missionary and writer. And at one point in her life, she was confident that God was calling her to Ecuador to translate the Bible for a tribe of people who did not have the Bible. Okay, So she travels to Ecuador. She's going to translate the Bible for this tribe. There's only one person in that, that in that tribe, that can both speak the tribal language and Spanish. And so she goes there to work with that person so they can translate the Bible. But a month after her arrival, that person was killed in an argument. So for eight months, she's struggling with no help to translate the Bible for this tribe. At the end of eight months, uh, she was frustrated frustrated. Um, she, it didn't work out. She eventually left, and when she left, she left a file of her notes with a colleague. She said, here's all my notes. Take this, and you can finish my translations. Well, not long after she left, that file was stolen. And there was no copy of it. So all the work that she had done to translate the Bible for those people was gone. And after that experience, she said this, I simply had to bow to the, in the knowledge that God is his own interpreter, we must allow God to do what he wants to do. And if you're thinking that you know the will of God for your life and you're anxious about anxious to do that, you're probably in for a very rude awakening because nobody knows the will of God for his entire life. Walking with God is a mysterious, challenging, joyful, but sometimes heart-wrenching mystery. And the only way that we can gain peace is by understanding that God is at work to accomplish his purpose. Where do we see that God is good and that God is powerful and that we can trust him? We see it on the cross, right? Robert Burns, the guy who wrote the, the poem, or the, the English proverb, the best laid plans of mice and men do often go askew, later on in that poem, he's lamenting about how all of his plans have been destroyed. And he says, when he looks back, he sees loss. And when he looks forward, he sees fear and anxiety. Well, When we look back, what do we see? We see the cross. We see that on the cross, the wisdom of God met in Jesus Christ. That his all-powerful, all-knowing wisdom had his one and only son crucified for us so that we could be saved, so this world could be redeemed, and that his kingdom could be established. He is so good that he allowed his only son to be crucified for us. And he is so powerful that he raised him from the dead because he loves us and he cares for us. And when we look to the future, we see uh, Revelation 7. We see the whole book of Revelations where the saints are worshiping God in glory, saints of all tribes, tongues, and languages in a heaven where there's no more tears, there's no more suffering, there's no more sadness. That's what we get to look forward to, because our God has a plan, and because he's powerful enough to carry out that plan, and because he's good enough, and wise enough, and powerful enough that he's using our sinful, finite, broken, imperfect plan to accomplish his purposes. Let's let that empower us to make decisions in the coming months and years. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you would show us your love In Jesus, that your wisdom and your power would be so clearly displayed on the cross that you loved us so much that you gave your only son for us. How will you not also graciously give us all things? How will you not also protect us during the time of the coronavirus? How will you not also protect our kids while they're at school? How will you not also provide for our families? How will you not also care for our loved ones if you gave your only son for us then you will certainly guide us and protect us during this time we pray that you would do that through your word and your spirit and we pray that that us as a church um, and us as a campus ministry that we would um, continue to worship you and serve you as best as we can during this time. We pray that you would show us the ways that we can love and serve our community. We pray that we'd be able to come back and gather together and worship you as a body in spirit and in truth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.